0: Welcome to In the Know with Erin Glow, a podcast bringing you information and inspiration from people in all walks of life. This is comedian Janet McNamara. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of In the Know with Erin Glow. In this episode I have my longtime friend Janet. Janet McNamara is a Boston-based comic and she has thrilled audiences across the country with comedy that balances the search for identity with the search for a parking spot. From the first word audiences are treated to an original perspective and an awkward energy that captivates undergrad hipsters and suburban housewives sometimes at the same show, usually around Christmas. So I want to welcome Janet to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Janet. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be uh, to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. It's been a while since we talked, but you're like this big comedian now, and I thought it would be fun to <laughs> – <laughs> you are, though. Come on, give yourself credit. I thought it would be fun to kind of, you know, look back on your life and, and when we knew each other. We still know each other, obviously, but, I mean, when we used to hang out a lot back in Boston – and just what you're doing now so people can know about you that don't know about you already yeah awesome let's do it all right so yeah we've known each other for i don't it's do you remember like the year we met i don't remember the exact year we met Uh, but it was in the 2000s probably
1: close to about 20 years Uh, you were like 17 16 or 17 i remember i was you you were a kid you were living with your mom yeah uh, and i i you may have been 18 but you were young um, yeah it was before i went to college. i think i'm about yeah i'm 4 or 5 years older than you i think right
0: well how old are you now
1: i'm 40 yeah I'm 40. well i
0: just turned 38 so yeah not too that not too much oh, okay, older. yeah all
1: right so yeah you must have been like 17 i must have been 19 or something or you must have been 18 and i must have been 20
0: yeah i think it was right like around the end of high school Cause I, for me
1: yeah I, I know we went to a show we, we where we were in the under 21 group
0: yeah yeah that's right together yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk um, more about those times uh, a little bit later in the interview but yeah i just wanted to let everyone know i have known you for years and i have seen you progress from afar and it's been the coolest thing i'm so happy for you but yeah we're gonna go into who you are your career everything so you're a comic now, you're a professional comic, but you aren't always that. So why don't you tell me what, what you were like as a child? D- tell everyone where you grew up. Were you always a funny person, always an awkward person, as you call yourself? Do you remember any certain struggles that you went through that kind of led you to be who you are right now? Yeah, sure. I, I, was, I was a weird kid. I grew up in a town called Randolph, Massachusetts, which was
1: um, kind of like a, it wasn't I I wouldn't call it a shithole. But uh, it was a little bit, um, you know, it was a suburb of Boston, but not really. Boston was different back then. And then uh, I grew up there. We used to walk to school. Elementary school was tough. I didn't really get along with. I didn't. I didn't have a ton of friends in elementary school and stuff like that. I was really annoying, and I, I was trying to be funny, but I was mostly just really annoying. And then I went to middle school, got a little bit less annoying. Uh, high school, I was funnier, and then college, I was. I was funny and then I always wanted to do comedy. Uh, it was a bucket list item and I just was too scared to do it. Well when I was about 26 or 27, um I just bit the bullet and did it after American Idol, which we're going to so talk that, about. that's kind of soon. the story on that, yeah. which we'll talk about. Yeah, um, because that's, that's kind of how idea. I got I got started into it from doing that show, but I was basically I, I was a really really shy kid growing up. Like I remember my aunt said I didn't say a word to her till I was 16. I was a super shy kid. I was shy, and then when I did talk to people, I was annoying. And um, like my friend said to me the other day, which was really funny, she said that um, shyness is just scared of rejection, which is pretty true because I was really shy, and if I wasn't shy, I got rejected because I was annoying. So it was a catch-22. And comics are just annoying people in general. Like, that's who we are. We're very annoying, self-centered people who like to talk a lot.
0: <laughs> no, you, yeah, no, it's true that shyness is you are afraid of being rejected. I had the social anxiety disorder as a kid, so I totally get that. And usually those are the people that end up being the most creative, I found, because they have so many things going on in their head, and then it just comes out and, in other ways. Do you feel like you lacked confidence as a kid? Oh, I had no
1: confidence as a kid. I played sports, and I was really good at sports. I had a lot of confidence in, like, my athletic ability. But I also knew that I was a girl and that I stunk compared to boys. And I also knew it was, like, a really depressive thing that I used to think all the time, which was, like, there's really no point in, like, being good at sports is, like, the least of anything to be good at that's important. Because as an adult, there's no point in being good at sports. I used to think that all the time as a kid whenever somebody would say, like, but you're good at sports. You're not that... Like you can't read, but you're good at sports and stuff like that. But yeah, but that was basically I. I did play a lot of sports. What kind of sports? Um, I played it all. I was a, I was a wicked tomboy. I grew up. I my neighborhood was all boys, so I played basketball, soccer, softball. I was on varsity all three through my freshman through senior year of high school, and then I played freshman year softball in college, and then I quit because it was it wasn't fun. It was just a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff going on but yeah i played everything that's the only reason why i hung out with people was because i was playing sports with them uh and that's how i met friends and got friends was that i was good at sports so i was good at their team but life was different in the 90s than it is like in 2000 like you were weird if you were a girl and you liked sports back then it wasn't like it is now
0: yeah i was kind of
1: ostracized for it yeah
0: do you have any siblings you have siblings right
1: Yeah, I have a twin brother who's like an extremely good looking, like he was a child prodigy, like he got straight A's all the way through. Uh, We went to Randolph Public Schools in elementary school, which is like a really bad school system. And then my brother ended up going to Thayer Academy, which is like a really prestigious prep school in middle school. He did terrible in middle school because he was so behind the other kids because our school system was so bad. And then... He ended up working his way all the way up to he ended up second in the class when he graduated. Um he's doing great. He went to Cornell. Uh, now he works for Facebook. He has a five year old and a uh, a newborn on the way. So he's doing really good. He lives in Australia. Um Oh so, wow. Yeah, we're 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 buddies growing up.
0: I didn't know he moved away. Okay. Do you get to yeah, see he him? He lives in
1: Australia very much. I go, I try try to go every year, but I go closer to every other year. Um, I haven't been since pre-pandemic. Okay, Um, that makes sense. But honestly, it's hard with the comedy schedule because you get three weeks vacation a year and then it takes two and a half weeks just to go to Australia because the flight is so long. So that only gives you like four days to do any type of road work. So you go to New York City twice, you take... Three weekends in New York City, and there goes all your vacation time.
0: Right. Is he planning on coming home for the holidays, or does he stay out there? He's coming
1: twice. He's coming in April, and then he's coming back in 4th of July. So it's really exciting there. He has a wedding that he's coming home for, and then him and his whole family are coming for two weeks in July. So nice. that'll be great. Yeah, we're super close. We talk every Friday. His wife is great, and uh, we get along. Obviously, we butted has a lot growing up. But we were also best friends. It was a one-off. Like our parents were divorced. So, you know, we spent every single weekend at my dad's house together um, hanging out. So all we really had was each other to hang out with. So that's what we did. He's your only sibling. He's my only sibling. Now I have three step-siblings. Okay. Um, but I didn't meet them until I was like in my late 20s. So we didn't like grow up together. We're not close in any way, shape, or form. And then technically... I have two other step siblings, because my my dad was married briefly when I was in high school slash college, and uh, she had two kids. I only met one of them. It was like this weird green card marriage situation. Okay. That it it was it was he she didn't speak English. Like he met her. He was managing Dunkin' Donuts, and she worked at Dunkin' Donuts. And then, all of a sudden, they were engaged, and then they got married the day of my high school graduation. It was this whole hoopla of a situation. But, um, you know, life is fun. It, <laughs> it's, uh, she had two kids, but I don't. I wouldn't even... If you gave me a million dollars, I wouldn't tell you their name.
0: So it was just like a brief moment in your life.
1: Yeah, I was like between the age of like 17 and 24 when they were married. So maybe 23. So I was like in that age where I was in college. I owned my own life. I wasn't really... Obviously it was, it was devastating when he first got married, but as far as like being around and being around her, like, and she didn't speak English. So she said like 10 words. So you kind of like went over, if you went over his house, you went over there and you just kind of like, she said like, hi, 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 how are you? And that was about the whole conversation. Um, And then she went and did her thing and I talked to my dad. So it was fine. We got along fine. It was everybody knew exactly what was going on, except my dad. Everybody knew it was a green card marriage, except my dad.
0: Wow. So so you think it was just a green card marriage on her end? Oh, there's no doubt. My my dad was like probably
1: 400 pounds at the time. He had no money. He, He didn't really have a huge amount to offer. She didn't seem to like him that much. She ended up just like, at one point, she just left. She just moved out one day. And my dad was like, I don't know where she went. And then like four years later, he got a letter in the mail from a lawyer that basically said, like, sign this and you'll be divorced. She doesn't want anything as long as you don't want anything. It was the easiest divorce in the world. She did all the work. It was the easiest divorce for him because all he had to do was sign a piece of paper and it was over.
0: Wow. But it was like
1: almost she moved out almost exactly three years into the marriage.
0: And that would give her the green card? Yes. Yes. And then
1: they didn't get divorced for another three or four years after that, but they hadn't seen each other for a couple of years. Um, he had no idea where she was, kind of a situation.
0: Oh, man. I feel kind of bad for your yeah. dad. Well, Did he take it hard? or? You feel bad for
1: my dad, but he also eloped the day of my high school graduation, so it's kind of like, fuck him.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, you know? for you. Yeah. It's kind, that's... Of a, it's kind of a dick thing to do. So he didn't go to your
1: graduation? Oh, sorry. He He did it the day before my graduation. He did go to my graduation. I was scared because he eloped. I was scared he was going to announce his wedding at my graduation, um, and then my grandmother would make a big scene. But that didn't end up happening. But like my aunt had already told my grandmother, ended up it ended up working out fine. But um, it it was really anxiety provoking at the time and really dramatic. Yeah, because your parents getting married is a big deal. Yeah, it it was also it was twenty years ago, and obviously, yeah, I I blocked a lot of it out. It's my dad died. So it's hard to stay being mad at him for stupid stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't
0: know that. Okay, Um, He died
1: like 12 years ago. It's okay. Or he died like 11 years ago. So um, it's kind of like one of those things that uh, when somebody dies, you stop getting mad at them for stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. You just think of
1: like the good things. So
0: Yeah, you realize, you know, they're just human, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, they're flawed. He was a 400-pound
1: guy. Like, how else was he going to get laid? you know
0: he was a 400 pound
1: guy that was in debt you know like he he didn't really have a lot of prospects um and then you know this lady came along and yeah
0: it's good that you can let that kind of anger go though but and just because I like lost both my parents now and I just it's weird it's a weird feeling like just because even though you know they're only human when they're alive it's like when they're gone you're kind of just like wow, they really were only human. I shouldn't have been so upset half the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you forget a lot of that stuff.
1: I Yeah, I remember the day he died, I was annoyed. The day before he died, I was annoyed um, because he was in my car and he had just thrown his trash in the backseat. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? And I remember I texted my brother about it. And then the next morning I got the call that he had a heart attack. And it was like, oh. then that became, instead of it being like, something that he did that was really annoying, it was something that he did that was pretty funny. Like, in a matter of just finding out he was dead.
0: Right, right. Wow. So it was unexpected. Yeah, he... It's kind of a... It's kind of funny the way he died. He
1: He was in Quincy Center in Massachusetts, and uh he picked up a hitchhiker in Quincy Center. I don't know how he did it. He... They, I guess the hitchhiker... He was with his girlfriend. The hitchhiker was, like, annoying the shit out of him. And he pulled over and his girlfriend thought he was going to kick the hitchhiker out of the car and he ended up just like leaning back and having a heart attack.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, but it's kind of like, to a degree, it's funny because it's just like, you know, what was that hitchhiker thinking? Like, he just like got in a car and the guy died.
0: <laughs> I know, on his part, right? Wow. Yeah. But that's, yeah, You um, you have to make, and that's what you're good at, I know, that you make humor out of tough things in life and sometimes that helps you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah absolutely and time helps also you know it was 10 or 11 years ago at this point
0: yeah yeah it never really goes away that feeling but it does yeah you you kind of learn to live with it
1: yeah it doesn't go away but it doesn't it's not as like you're not crying every day kind of thing uh yeah. you're not re like part of part of like when somebody first dies is like you remember everything that you're never gonna have again once you go through that whole process you kind of are like all right i i i him like i'm never going to be able to have him change my oil i'm never going to be able to do this i'm never going to be able to do this and then you think of all the things that you're going to miss about him and that kind of goes away but that takes like a couple years i think to like get through um the shock of it
0: yeah i think it gets at first it's like kind of a numbing feeling i mean everybody's different but i feel like generally at first it's like a numbing feeling and then as like you get closer to a year it almost gets worse because then you're realizing oh yeah i'm not gonna have all that they're not here and it's yeah it just almost gets like worse before it gets better yeah i remember texting my friend and just being like at what point do you like stop crying because
1: i thought i'd stop crying after like a week you know but it, it just takes a really long time
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just grief. I don't think that's a whole – this is a whole other topic for a whole other conversation, but I don't think our society talks about grief enough. It's always like a thing where you need to avoid it or, oh, you need to stay strong or all this stuff. And I I think that can be damaging a lot of the time because people feel like grief is not normal. And if they're crying a lot, it's like, oh, what's wrong with me when it's completely normal, especially if it's somebody like a parent. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, you went to high school. Did you go to college?
1: Yes. I went to Elmira College in upstate New York. And then I went to grad school too. I went to um, Suffolk for grad school.
0: Okay. And what did you study there? Uh, accounting. That's right. I remember that now. Yes. It's completely different yes. from what you're doing now. <laughs> well, I'm still I'm still doing accounting. Oh, you still are. Believe okay. it or
1: not, um, comedy, comedy doesn't pay that many bills. Like, This weekend, I'm headlining Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. It's like where Bill Burr started. It's like a big club. I'm making... I'll tell you how much I'm making. I'm making $300 for the weekend. Wow. So it's not... And this is like a big show that I have coming up. Like So this week, I'll make three, four... I'll make like... uh, Actually, this week, I'm headlining a show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I have a show tonight. I, I'll, I'll make like $500 this week, maybe four, but that's a really good week is like $400. Wow,
0: that's crazy. So basically comedy doesn't pay your bills all the way.
1: No, com- comedy doesn't pay bills. It's a really good supplemental income. It makes a huge difference as far as lifestyle goes, but I make like probably between fifteen dollars and $18,000 a year and that's after doing it for 12 years and working my ass off. So, if I were to go full time, I could probably pull off 30. I, it would be, um, I would go into debt if I didn't have a job, is basically right. Um, the point. And the people who are able to do it full time either produce shows and make money that way or have trust funds.
0: Exactly. You see, like, comics that are always – they're always doing shows, like, every single week. And that's kind of just what you have to do to get to a point where maybe you can do it for, like, a living without doing something else. But it takes a while, and it takes, like, a real breakthrough. Comics are some of the hardest working people I know doing stuff every single week. There's no point
1: in doing comedy if you're not doing it a, a minimum of three times a week. Um, I do it at least five uh, there's no point in doing it because you're never going to get funny you're never going to be good if you do it less than three times a week it's a waste of your time exactly so
0: now let's get into I wanted to mention when we met each other and kind of some of the adventures that we we've been on in the past <laughs> that I remember you from because it's like They're very, I have to tell everybody when you hang out with Janet, it is a memorable experience. You could be doing absolutely nothing and she will make make it memorable somehow. (laughs) So, um,
1: I I always liked hanging out with you because you said yes. (laughs) (laughs) No one else
0: said yes. That's surprising to me.
1: I I have like a great idea. People are like, no, that's stupid. And you are always like, that's brilliant. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean you were fun and i was i didn't have many friends either because i was awkward and quiet and you know so we met through our love of hansen everyone i know that knows me personally knows my favorite band is hansen knows i've loved them since i was 12 years old and i met you was it through hanson.net? was it through their website i believe right or was it just through like the message boards or something I- or what did we meet at a concert? I, think I don't even. It
1: was. Even... <laughs> it was I, I I actually remember you had. There was a sold out show, and you had a ticket to it, and I wanted the, your ticket. And but part of me getting the ticket is I had to drive, which I didn't realize at the time. I had to drive to like East Bumfuck. Oh
0: to come yeah. Pick
1: you up. <laughs> uh, yeah. <and>
0: like, <laughs> yeah, because I had no and, one to go and with. And like, and, I had to yeah. pick you
1: up. Yeah, I like picked you up and we went to did we we no we didn't meet at the northeastern show we they, no no we had no already we way back by then there was some ticket that you had that i wanted and i was willing to drive to wherever the fuck you lived it was like the middle of nowhere <laughs> um
0: uh yeah like well uh, i, I was, remember it's about the middle of nowhere it's about 40 minutes from boston drive but yeah it because i think the show was in boston but i picked you up
1: yeah i was in I lived in Braintree at the time. I was in Braintree. I drove to Fall River, drove us to Boston, and then drove you back to Fall River. Yeah, um, you
0: were – And I think I still paid you for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know if, like, I paid you for gas or if we had a, a deal. I don't know. I was so young back then that I was just trying to get to a Hanson show and nobody yeah, would bring was, me. <laughs> I,
1: think, I think that's exactly what it was. I think I think it was a sold-out show that you had tickets to. And I was basically willing to do whatever it took to go
0: to the sold-out show. And um, Yeah, and I was yeah, willing made, to meet you it happen. as and a stranger. Technically, you were a stranger, but we talked on yeah the website for dude, a little bit.
1: barely talked on the website. And then the following time we saw each other, we got on a plane and went to Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I remember my mom being like, how do you know this girl? And I was like, I picked her up once at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs>
0: in fall river (laughs) it was a valley that's when you brought me home (laughs) not picked me up yeah i
1: dropped you off at like two o'clock in the morning because we probably showed up to the concert because we were dorks we probably got there at 7 a.m um i probably picked you up at like 5 (laughs) a.m and we probably sat in line at the concert all day yeah
0: Um, yeah i it was like really random i think it was just we really wanted to go to this concert, and we didn't care that we, we didn't really know each other. We were taking a risk. We're like, but then as soon as I met you, I knew you were like, you were harmless. You were gonna, like, it was kind of like I just felt your vibe was like you were just Janet. You know, you're just who you are. Yeah, um and I think the older I get, at least for me, the older I get, is harder to remember and. I did write all these things in a journal, but all my like Hanson stuff is back in Massachusetts in storage right now. So I have to wait till Uh, I get that. (laughs) But yeah, all that information is in there, but it's hard to remember just from memory. So I know we went to Hampton Beach together at some point. Yeah. Um, Because I remember we had this thing where we used to cut people in line. (laughs) Uh, Well, we were in the hot heat half the time. And like we were. Yeah.
1: I think we waited once We got there at like 7am and waited once We still ended up like pretty far back Because everybody just cut And we were like we're just going to start cutting And we just started We just started being ruthless Yeah uh... (laughs) but people
0: were really bad back then Like I don't know if it's like that today I actually recently went to a handsome show Last week and I actually got to interview them And I'll tell you more about that later But um, it's nowhere near As bad as it used to be though There weren't nearly as many people Back then, they would line up, like, even sometimes days in advance, just because they were always general admission shows. So in order for you to get close to the front, you had to line up really early, and then as soon as they opened the doors, you can run up to the stage and be in the front, because it's all standing room, no seats. And the only reason I ever wanted to do that was, yes, I wanted to be close, closer, but if I was in the middle or in the back, I couldn't see, because I was too short. <laughs> Yeah, you also had bad eyes
1: if I remember correctly, right?
0: Yeah, until I like got well I had con- I still have contacts today, but it was yeah, it was that but it was mostly yeah, it was being short too. Like it wasn't like a stage where it would kind of rise in the back. No, it was like all one level. So if you weren't in the front front or on a step somewhere, you couldn't see if you were my height. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was and a pain. And I'm 5'8 so like I could see. Yeah, yeah. you were the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but, We were in there for, I remember, wasn't there one where they played the club right across the street from Fenway and we were sitting out there in the heat? Yeah, that one I remember. People had like tents and stuff and everybody thought
1: we were waiting for the Harry Potter release. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, And there was a
0: game at the same time, so not only were you dealing with these Hanson fans that some of them are really crazy and they're just rude and mean and um, you were also dealing with the drunk fans at the Red Sox game across the street, so they were all bumping into you every time you would go, yeah. like go to a store and get a drink, or going on the subway or whatever. <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah, it,
1: and they were just mocking us for for like sitting and waiting for a Hanson concert kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it was um, it was tough to be a Hanson fan back in the, those days. It really was. Like, because they were yeah. popular the first like yeah. ninety seven, ninety eight. Everybody loved them, but then they kind of. The music industry they, moved on. They got their own record label. Nobody really paid attention to them anymore, except for the true diehard fans. Yeah, and then you—they became... just had they had probably, I
1: would say, ten 000 to thirty thousand really diehard fans like you or I. And you or I aren't even the biggest Hanson fans there are. Like you don't buy like the deluxe package every time they come out with a new album. You know what I mean? Like I... you go to the shows that are near you, like.
0: Yeah, well, you when you well, well no, I did buy a deluxe package for one of their actually two of them, but no, I'm not I'm not the type cuz there are like a small group of the fans where they'll actually travel wherever they go on tour like every yeah. city. And they 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 will save up yeah. all their money just to do that and then they're broke by the end of the tour and and it's not even like they get special privileges. They're just literally following them around like groupies uh, like, you know, following them around, watching their shows, staying they in also- hotels just yeah, I mean they're not like even in with the band. It's just they're at every show, and that's what they do. And I don't know if that's. I mean, I don't like to say they're bigger, handsome fans than us. They just use their <laughs> their money for that, and I we actually have to work for Olympic <laughs> to keep a roof over our head. Yeah, but like yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't know how they do yeah, it. Yeah, it's like
1: yeah. I I feel like that's probably why. Well, the two reasons why the shows are smaller now is first of all because of handsome gate, and then second of all. Because the fans are older, like the fans have kids, like you can't go to five, six, 10, 20 shows a tour, if you have kids at home, you know, no, But a lot of these fans are like from small towns, they got married when they were 25, or 30, you know, they have kids.
0: Yeah, the ones that Um, are still following them around, I don't think have kids or anything like that. And I think, yeah, because I actually at the shows last week, they did three shows in LA last week, I went to them. And I saw this girl that she was known as one of those fans that would follow them around everywhere back in the day. And she, I don't, I've don't, i never even met the girl. I've never talked to her. But I've seen her at every show. And she's like on the, the message boards. They talk about how she's one of those people that follows them around. And I'm just like, oh my god, all these years later, she's still here. <laughs> and like, it's just crazy. In a way, it's like, you're like, well, that's dedication. But it's also like there must she must have something like maybe somebody's helping her pay for this or because i don't understand how you can go around and not have a regular job and then be able to like live somewhere if you're not getting help after you know yeah. without that money i don't know
1: it's like similar to the grateful dead but different like i i'm a i am I, I listen to a lot of the grateful dead and i went to a bunch of their shows last year and like but like people make money on the grateful dead like doing like small stuff like selling t-shirts and stuff but people don't do that on hansen tours they yeah they i i think they sleep outside waiting for the show to start like i don't i don't know how they get the vacation time it made sense when i was in college i've probably been to 30 shows i probably went to 19 of them while i was in college um or like the first year or two out of college because you have the summer off when I was nineteen, I could drive seven hours to a show and then drive seven hours home. Like it, I remember driving to like New Jersey before and back to go to a show because I didn't have a hotel room, and like you could do that when you're younger. Right. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, and you didn't have. But any responsibility. I, I think
1: they're supported somehow. Like I, I think some of them are rich kids. Like I think they think that like Hanson at some point is going to be like their friend. You know, like if they defend them enough online. They're going to be like, "Hey, thanks for defending me. Why don't you be my friend? I'll let you babysit my kids." Like, I I don't know what these fans are thinking.
0: Yeah, I think it's because I know what you're talking about. There are a lot of people. I I mean, they love their music, but they also make it more about using them as like a way to fill a hole in inside that they're feeling, or like, and that can be yeah, that can be tricky because it can if you take it too too far. Yeah, it's it's tough because it's like when it's your identity,
1: if. The most interesting thing about you is that you're a Hanson fan. That's your identity. And you've seen 30 concerts. You spend all your money on them. It's hard when it's been something that's been your identity for 25 years. It's really hard to not continue it being your identity uh, and to come up with a new identity, to come up with new things to be interested in.
0: Um, Yeah, I think the the key is to separate – yourself from liking a band and who you are because those should be two different things I mean that's just part of what you like it shouldn't be who you are yeah and life changes people change
1: as they get older priorities are different you know like when I was in my 20s like I went to a million concerts and I followed around this band and I did all this stuff and now I do a bunch of stand-up and I drive around doing a bunch of stand-up it's it's the same thing. It's the same obsession. I'm just obsessed with something different.
0: Right. You use your energy toward your comedy mostly now. as, And yeah, I mean, we do that throughout yeah. our lives. We use our energy like when people have families. Most of the time, they use all their energy with their family. I've always said if I do have kids, yeah, kids will be your priority. That's your most important thing in your life. But at the same time, I feel like there also needs to be a balance or you'll drive yourself crazy if you don't do stuff that you want to do alone.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: when it gets... You know, it can be scary where you start projecting all of that anger and that frustration onto your family, and then it can cause issues. And I think it's important to know even when you have kids and you have a family, even though that takes up most of your time, you always got to carve out time for yourself, even if it's just like an hour a week to kind of, you know, be who you are, whether that means yep. going to a Hanson show yeah, or yeah, a I- comedy show. I think that's, that's important. Yep. And a lot of people don't do that nowadays. I've noticed like they're just always complaining <laughs> instead of doing something about it. A lot of them.
1: Yeah. I think kids are really difficult. Um, uh, from my understanding of having kids from just talking to my cousins and stuff is that they end up just not missing their their old life. Like they don't miss going to the bars. They don't miss late nights. They're kind of happy spending time with their family and their kids. But obviously once a month, once every couple weeks, they want to go out. They want to do something.
0: Yeah, as long um, as I feel like yeah, it's all about balance. I think at the end of the day, and not feeling like you have to do something, but you want to do it. And if you want to spend most of your yeah. time like not doing that anymore, and that's okay with you, then good. But if you're feeling like oh well, I can't do that. I wish I could, but I can't because these kids. Then you're gonna yeah, that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah. So we met through Hanson. We had a lot of concert experiences, but. We also decided, like you said before, we decided to go to Tulsa, which is Hanson's hometown, because we were in the fan club, and they invited all their fan club members to join them in Tulsa in this tiny studio, and they were going to re-record Middle of Nowhere, which was the first studio album on a big record label that they released, the one that Mbop was on. And... They did it for the 10 year anniversary because it came out in 97. So they did this in 2007. And it was free. They just invited you, just had to RSVP it in time. And they picked, you know, a certain number of people. I don't, how many people do you think were there? Like 100? Not a lot. Yeah, it was probably 100, maybe 120. They had two, they ended
1: up doing two different shows. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, they did like, two. Yeah. Yeah, it was 100, maybe 120
0: people. And they just basically let you sit on the floor and they were re-recorded the whole album acoustically as like a thank you to fans and then they released that acoustic recording. And they also released a DVD and you and I are in the DVD a lot because we were like, yep, <laughs> we were right in the front. Like we just happened to get that spot right in the front. No one was in front of us. We were like, everyone sat around in like a circle. Oh, so good. And they were in the middle. Of you remember the- how we got that spot? I don't. I think we, I thought we just kind of we went were for on the,
1: it. We were in the second show. We were in the second show, and there was, like, there was chairs all around. And we were in the second show, and a girl after the show basically broke down what to do. And they were like, stand, go right behind Isaac on the floor. She goes, nobody's taking the floor seats. Everybody ran for the chairs, and the floor seats are the way to go. We weren't even in the front of the line. We just knew exactly where to go because that girl told us. And we went right in front of uh, Isaac because we could get a perfect view of all three of them because we weren't behind the drums. We weren't behind anybody. We were right there. It was awesome.
0: Right. We were, um, like, literally in the front, the very front. And we were sitting on the floor uh, which because everyone else was on the chairs in the back. But we sat on the floor and, like, inches away from them. Yeah. And it was just – it was surreal because it was like you were – Listening to them sing the the album that you fell in love with when you were young, yep. and it was just like they were right there in front of you. It was only like an hour and a half, I think, but it was it was so definitely one of the best hands and experiences I've had. And yep. you and I are in the DVD a lot, looking you were funny you're bobbing your head i mean i looked silly too but like (laughs) and i didn't care we knew we were being recorded and they said it was going to be on dvd but we didn't care we were like we're this close who cares what we look like and we just kind of oh i had the time of my life
1: (laughs) it was like it was one of the best decisions i've ever made in my life is to go to that show and like neither of us had money we didn't have a hotel room do you remember that
0: yeah it was literally it was 24 hours we were in tulsa and we said we don't need a hotel room we'll just fly back the next morning and we'll do an all-nighter yeah and we made the decision like just very spontaneously which i'm not a very spontaneous person because it gives me anxiety but like that i did and i always be grateful i did that and i
1: must have i must have talked you into it because i'm very spontaneous yeah you're exact opposite i must (laughs) have talked you into it yeah, because if I remember correctly, we ended up flying out of Rhode Island because it was, like, cheaper. Yes. Um, but we we didn't have money for a hotel room. The whole trip cost us, like, $300 each or, like, $250 each. Um, yeah, it was uh, – yeah,
0: we slept in the airport.
1: <laughs> we were just – we were going to stay up all night, but everything <laughs> closed at, like, 10
0: o'clock. No, but we, we went to Whataburger because that was the only thing that was open 24 hours. I remember sitting in the booth with you at Whataburger and we were just looking at each other and I was like, I don't know if I can do this, (laughs) stay up all night. And we really thought we could. And it was just, I think, because of the energy of the day and the adrenaline, it it sucked the energy right out of us. And yeah, and then we were like, let's just go to the the airport now. And then we just fell asleep on the chairs. And then I remember you, where did you, you were going to, you were going somewhere and you stopped at that airport randomly, like years later. This was just a few years ago. And you sent me a picture of those chairs and you said, do you remember these chairs? I went to another handsome day
1: and i passed those chairs and i was like oh i know those chairs intimately <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just randomly sent it to me and you're like remember these and I, it just brought back so <laughs> um, i couldn't believe you remembered exactly oh, that where it was, was, so was Funny. do
1: you remember we tried to find their house and we went on <laughs> the longest bus ride on the- i don't do
0: remember, remember- no oh you mean their house growing up like when they were little
1: yeah we tried to find their house growing up and we got on a bus to try to get there and we ended up just like we were ending up on like a three or four hour bus ride
0: <laughs> yeah all that and then i do remember we went to the intersection where they filmed go the vi- music video for go yep and we took pictures there yeah we got we were really excited when we saw that it's cool about Tulsa is you walk around and you see because
1: they film so much around the around the city uh we i we walked around like we were like it was like every time we turned a corner, you and I were just flipping out, excited. Uh, yeah. About, Holy shit! They filmed that there. Holy crap! Ah, like we were, <laughs> yeah. It was. We were like, it was before uh, smartphones. I don't even know if we took pictures.
0: We did. Um, we took a few because I have them, but I think they were on like disposable cameras. Uh, yeah. If you ever get a chance to scan them, send them over to me because I I am interested in them uh yeah i think a lot of them are in my storage uh, as well so but i'll look to see what i can find. Yeah. but yeah we we did that and that was amazing another thing we went to yeah we they have a documentary about starting their own record label and they were screening it around colleges across the country and they went to boston at northeastern university and you had to be a student to go to it and we were i was in a different college at the time and then i transferred over to emerson which they actually did a screening at emerson but that was before i went there so, some colleges let the public in, and then some didn't. They weren't letting the public in and were like, "But we want to see the screening we we got to see this. We're real fans, and you know we got it. so we somehow found our way in. I don't even remember how I think a student helped us in or you, something. You knew a guy that for fifty
1: dollars, was going to give you his id and <laughs> it ended up falling through. yeah, but that didn't happen. Um, no it ended, it ended up being like really sketchy and like falling through, and then what happened was we ended up standing like where they were letting people in and like, you know, random college kids were coming by showing their ID and getting in, like just casually coming in. And at one point the, the security guards, like they weren't really paying attention. We were just like standing there, like acting cool. And at one point um, he walked a little bit away and I just ran right behind him through the door and you followed me. <laughs> um and like I remember he grabbed my arm and I pulled it away and then we just got lost in the crowd and I remember like him oh my god I remember that now yes yeah, yes yeah <laughs> you I didn't even know you were behind me and then you pulled up next to me a second later and you're like. holy fuck, <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> Well, what's great about you is you just followed me doing whatever the hell I did. You just always followed.
0: Yeah, because I was always... same with the elevator. I was always fascinated with how how gutsy you were. <laughs> like, you didn't care. You were like, <laughs> if I get caught, I get caught. You live only once. And that was you. And I got in trouble so
1: much as a kid that I got over being in trouble as an adult. Like, unless I'm going to get arrested, I don't care. If somebody's just going to yell at me or be mad at me, The worst that was going to happen was they were going to kick us off campus.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, and I'm, yeah, I was fine with that, too. I just was, like, couldn't believe, though. Like, I was actually, that's why I think I liked hanging out with you so much, because you were fun. You didn't care. You weren't, like, somebody else who would be, like, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, you you actually, yeah, you, you lived it up. But, yeah, we ended up in an elevator with them that day. I don't know how yeah. that happened. I think it but cause I to give yourself in. some credit, you had tenacity
1: <laughs> because I was I was ready to give up when you were like, "No, let's just hang out at the door and like listen to like you know like you had the tenacity." You were like, "Janet, you need to come up with something." Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we tell the elevator story because that's really good. I forget that I forget how that happened.
0: I don't remember every part, but I remember once we were in, we were waiting for them to get there, and then I think we were just standing by a door because it was weird. It was almost like it, it was meant to be because I think we were talking about I wonder where they're gonna come in like do you think they're already here or are they just gonna walk in or what and then all of a sudden when we were talking about that they actually came through this door near us with some people and we're like oh my god that's and then you walked up and you're like let's go see if we can say hi to them or whatever and then they went in this elevator like no one saw them come in but us they was sort of on the side and um and you you just went in the elevator when they did (laughs) and i'm like what is she doing so then i just followed i followed along and then isaac i remember isaac saying hi how are you and i'm just like oh hey (laughs) and i think isaac thought we were part of like uh, you know the school team that was helping them go to their wherever they were going um because they went in a room to do i think interviews before the screening and I think he thought we were part of the the college people that were leading them up in the elevator. Yeah. And yeah, we were in the elevator with them, and then it drops us off upstairs, and then they all like we just so followed like the crowd. Greet. I don't know if it was a meet and greet. It seemed like it yeah. was more like yeah for the some college students that were in charge of it. And there the were students. Like, it was like so, I don't know if they were doing like an interview. We went in for
1: like two seconds, and then. Somebody asked us, like, "Are you with the band?" And we said yes.
0: You and said then the yes. Band manager was like,
1: hey, I, I, we didn't say yes. I said yes." And then the band manager was like, "They're not with the band. They need to leave." And they kicked us out. Um, but they didn't kick us off campus. They just kicked us out of that room. It's
0: amazing what you can get away with when you're only 20 years old. Well, no, yeah, because um, you, when they walked in the room, you walked right behind him. And I remember saying, "Janet, what are you doing? We can't go in there. They're going to know that we're not part of the." And you, were, you ignored me. And you, you just went in there. So I was, like, hesitating. Do I go in? Do I not? And they were getting ready to close the door. And then that's when they said, oh, are you with the band? And then they're like, no, they're not with us. So, so then we got out. And you were, like, so excited we even got that far. But I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's, wow. That's- oh, dude, it was, it was, like, one of the highlights of my life. I think, yeah. That, I think that
1: may have been before we went to Tulsa. Because that was a highlight at one point. And then the Tulsa thing was the biggest thing I've ever done As far as Hanson's concerned
0: I think it was after, honestly, because I think Was it after? Maybe I don't remember It was around the same time same Probably within a year or two Yeah. But yeah, that was another memorable moment But then I have to talk about this, Janet And I don't know if you must remember this But this is something that sticks out in my mind I don't remember what show it was But do you remember You were like, I want to go up there and play air guitar and and I was like, you can't do that, Janet. You're going to get kicked out. You're like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to get kicked out of the show. And then you said, I'm going to wait till the last song and do it.
1: I remember that. Now.
0: Yeah. I'm like, okay, Janet, whatever. Yeah. I didn't believe you we were going to do it. And then sure enough, they were like, this is our last song. And then you went up there, and you, like, booked it up there before security could even get you. And you (laughs) went up there, and I remember all their faces were kind of like, what is she doing? And then you turned around to face the crowd, and you started like... Head banging and playing air guitar, <laughs> and when they realized what you were doing, they all started laughing, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my
1: god!" So was they gonna like try kind to of attack them. I just wanted to play air guitar. <laughs> yeah, they all
0: started laughing. Yeah, and then they got you and kicked That's you so out, funny. and you and you texted me, and you're like, "I'll be you outside."
1: <laughs> 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 that was great. Yeah, I remember that. I was in the Boston Globe. Oh, you uh, were. They. They did like, they did a review of the Boston Globe and uh, one of the lines of that review was something along the lines of like, you know, it was complete with the fan going, jumping on stage and throwing themselves at the band, which I didn't do. I didn't like, I didn't touch them. I didn't go near them. No, you, you didn't. Yeah. Once you are on the I stage, you turned
0: these. around and you face the yeah. crowd and you are just.
1: <laughs> I played air guitar. Yeah, I didn't. Because um, like, that's the fear is that like, somebody's going to like try to hug them or something like that i didn't do that i just wanted to play air guitar i was a little drunk
0: oh yeah <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> did you frame that that piece of your body you should have cut it out and framed it no i have no idea
1: where it is or what happened to it it didn't like have my name it just said somebody threw themselves at the band So um, you know it was you and got kicked out <laughs> yeah it was a it was a hundred percent me uh nobody nobody else jumped on stage during that i've never seen it be, i've never seen a, uh, somebody else do it
0: um no unless they're trying the to like hug them or something weird but
1: yeah i didn't because I, I didn't know that they laughed this is the first time i'm finding out that the, maybe you told me at the time that they thought it was funny yeah because uh, i remember i laughed.
0: specifically looked at each of them when you were doing it to see their reaction and At first, they were like, what is she doing? And then their, like, concerned face turned to, as soon as you turned around to the crowd and started playing air guitar, they all started laughing. (laughs) 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 But that's why I love hanging out with you too because I love that kind of, you know, being a rebel kind of stuff and and when I don't have enough guts to do it myself, I like watching someone else do it. (laughs) My memory of that is basically, like, getting on
1: stage and immediately getting kicked off stage. It it was a really fat. It was the whole incident took like less than 20 seconds.
0: Um, Right. Me me
1: doing it. Um, But like if that interaction had taken a minute, you would have followed me because we did that other one. Do you remember that there was a show in Rhode Island where they separated over and under 21. And then there was this like section in the middle of like dead space that nobody was allowed in do you remember that show kind of yeah on the encore i i jumped the gate on the encore yes um and i was by myself in the front row like on the encore like that was that was a show that zach gave me his drumstick and you waited half a song and then you joined me you were you were right there with me um after that yeah after i knew you you weren't at that show I think you were at that. Yeah. I do you remember you. I am going to get arrested. Yeah.
0: But. I do remember you jumping over something. So it must have been. Yeah. 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 I just wasn't sure how they were going to react. And then when I realized that you got away with it, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to join her. When I jumped over there, I was by
1: myself for a while. And then literally the entire crowd ended up jumping
0: the gate. Yes. Um, yes. Because
1: the security guards
0: were like, oh, what are we going to do? It's the last song. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Our Hanson adventures. They were a lot of fun. Like, when I go to shows now, I'm always by myself because I don't know anybody who wants to go with me. And I meet people at the shows and I'll talk. Like, I met two girls last week and we ended up becoming friends and we were hanging out at the shows, but it's nothing like going with you. You will always be my favorite Hanson partner to go with. Oh, <laughs> uh, same, buddy. You're in my phone as Erin Hanson. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I've told so many friends about what you have done at their shows. And it's always brings on <laughs> lots of laughs.
1: I forget that I'm a nut. <laughs> it's
0: like, eh, that should be a quote that you should put on your tombstone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forget that I'm a nut. Yeah, people remind me because it's like, I'm just an accountant. <laughs> I sit in an office all day and I look at spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, and then, but I am willing to
0: do crazy shit. All right, Janet, we're going to take a second because it's time for love letter break. All right, Love Letter Break is a break in each episode that I take and I ask my guests to come up with one to three people who have made an impact in their life to name the people and give them just a message of gratitude to kind of inspire listeners out there to do the same and to tell people that they matter when they matter. So Janet, how many people did you pick for your Love Letter Break? I chose one. One, okay. And who is it? My grandmother. Your grandmother, okay. What did you want to tell your grandmother? She was my favorite person in the world. She uh, she's
1: probably the funniest person in the world. She's how I got like my um, no fear of getting in trouble. Like I remember one time I went to a ballet with her and she, it was at the uh, Wilbur and in the lobby of the Wilbur, she went to go smoke a cigarette and she just lit the cigarette in the Wilbur lobby and just walked out and like people were yelling at her and she just ignored (laughs) them. She was just like, I want to smoke a cigarette. And it's just like, yeah, who gives a fuck? Like, just smoke a cigarette. And, uh, yeah, she was she was a dynamite of a person and my favorite person I'll ever know.
0: That's awesome. What would you say to her if you could right now? Just say, I love you and, you know, I miss you, I guess. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah, we got to move along and we have to talk about American Idol. I specifically remember an instance in the car when we were on our way to a Hanson show. And you used to tell me, I will be famous someday. I don't know how, but I will be famous. And, <laughs> and you said, I'm going to do something that's going to make me famous. And I said, I believe you, Janet. And like, I I did believe you. I just wasn't sure like how or I was like, I was thinking, well, she, she probably will someday. <laughs> so then he, here comes American Idol. American Idol, everybody knows what that is. It's a show, singing competition show. Um, and they did auditions in your area and you went for it and you you knew you couldn't sing right to be fair yeah you you just went completely as, terrible as a joke and yep. you became probably one of the most famous like you know quote-unquote rejects or person that did the audition who didn't make it in but makes the show of the terrible auditions yeah briefly like how tell me how did that come about did you just see that they were auditioning and you said i'm gonna go and do this and then how did you get to the point of being like with in front of like Simon Cowell and all of that. I'm famously a terrible singer. It's just something about me is I can't
1: sing. Everybody knows it. Like we used to do like karaoke in the living room when I was that age and like, I was just awful. And like, I couldn't like, we played the American Idol video game. I was awful at it. And uh, basically I always said like, I'm gonna go on American Idol and just do it. And basically the audition came to Boston. And I was kind of talking about wanting to do it, but I didn't want to go by myself. And my friend Nina was like, I'll go with you. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. And I said to her, "Um, I couldn't figure out what to wear. And I said to her, if you pick out an outfit for me, I promise I'll wear whatever you give me. And she picked out like a pink belly shirt and like ripped jeans. Um, and I wore it. Uh, so it was like, I was a little overweight. It was like a pink belly shirt. And then, um, we, the first day you have to drive all the way to Foxborough, put your name on the list. And then the next morning you have to show up at 5am and basically wait in line all day long at Foxborough. And it was raining, it was pouring. And there was all these talented people, like unbelievable talent, um, just singing their hearts out like around and like they were forming these little acapella groups. And it was really cool to like, just see how good people were. And I was hanging around my section, talking to people, talking about how this was going to be our big break and like how our dream was to be on American Idol and how we really wanted to do it. And I was very careful every time that they had a sing as a group that I didn't sing. Cause I didn't want to let go of my cover that I was a bad singer. <laughs> and uh, what ends up happening, it's like, a, it was like 10,000 people that auditioned that day and you go in groups of five and there it's a bunch of tents. There's there's probably thirty people auditioning at a time. So there's like eight tents and it's groups of five uh rows of five and then it's like ten deep rows of fives and they bring they bring you in section by section. So I was next to people that i had been hanging out with all day long and they sang, I sang like I sang, somebody else saying I sang. I felt it out Celine Dion my heart will go on um as loud as I could to the point where my friend on the other side of the stadium heard my high note uh and knew I was up <laughs> and then um what happened was I didn't break character uh like people started laughing it was humiliating to be honest because it was all these people that like no none of them would look at me after and then um There was somebody that was trying to be a reject right before me uh, who broke character and laughed. And the guy was like, that was funny, but we're actually looking for like people who can sing. And I went up and he stopped and he was like, do you think you're good? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, why do you think you're good? Like he drilled me and tried to get me to break character. And it was just one of those things that I'd waited in line for 12 hours in the rain. I refused to break character um and i was like i'm good i was on the american idol game like i'm good like like let me through and they let me through um and what happens is you you basically sign away your life and then they say like we'll get in contact with you and then three months later i got a text message that said like your audition is going to be next thursday location to be determined and then that like week they said be downtown boston and then an hour before I was supposed to be there, they gave me a location of a hotel. Um, I went to the hotel. And then that's where they film, like, the beginning sequences where, like, everybody's in a room, in a room and it looks like they're waiting. Uh, and, like, when you're in the hallway and it looks like you're waiting for the audition, that kind of thing. Uh, they film a lot of the show during that audition phase. And um, so it was everybody that got past that you do three, two auditions that day one audition is, like, in front of producers. And if you pass that audition, you go into another audition. That's, like, incredible. It's, like, it's basically the American Idol set. It's the exact American Idol set. And, but it's just producers you're performing in front of. You're not performing in front of the actual judges. If you get past that audition, you get to see the real judges in another month or so. So I did that audition, nailed it, um saying my heart out, danced. I got the golden ticket. I ran out, made a big deal about getting the golden ticket. And then they called me back for the audition with the real judges, which was in Faneuil Hall. That was like an all-day thing. You spend the day, like, you know, they interview you. Like, I probably spent three, three and a half hours doing interviews. And then you do the audition. And, again, it was the same kind of thing where I was hanging around people. There's this one girl that I was getting along with so well and we were like really we became good friends because we had done two or three auditions together uh and we had become good friends and then she wouldn't look at me after I became a psychopath in the audition. (laughs) Um (laughs) so uh because they kept me behind closed doors. They they did all of my interviews some of the interviews like everybody gets to see and some of the interviews are behind closed doors. And because I was so crazy they did all my uh, uh, interviews behind closed doors. So it was like a surprise that like, oh, I'm a nutcase. Uh, right. When it aired. So it, it was, you know, it, it was a blast. It was like, and that's why I started com- comedy was because I had so much fun doing that audition. And it was so fun to perform. But the problem is, is that I literally have no talent as far as performance is concerned. Like I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't do anything and comedy doesn't take talent it just takes work and that's how i got into comedy i signed up for like a comedy 101 class down the street like maybe a week or two after um the audition and then the rest is from there
0: i didn't realize it took that long of a process just to get to that final audition yeah but you you wore the same outfit you wore that same outfit on the televised audition right yeah, you have
1: to. You wear the same. You have to wear the exact same three thing for all the auditions. So they use. They're filming the entire time, um. So they use you on all three auditions.
0: Okay, and then you ended up on the. I think it was the first episode of that season. That was it, two thousand and ten, right? I was the first person on the. It's the first audition that Paula wasn't on. Okay, so. If you go back on American Idol and it's on YouTube as well, you were the very first audition on that season, and you were in front of the judges, and <laughs> you were wearing that belly shirt, and now you sang "Pocket Full of Sunshine," right?
1: Yeah, I sang "Pocket Full of Sunshine." And did
0: you get to choose that song, or was that something they chose for you? They gave you a
1: list of about two to three hundred songs that you could choose from. Um, I wanted to do Celine Dion, "My Heart Will Go On," but it wasn't on the list and pocket full of sunshine was one of the only songs that was also on the video game. And my thing was like, I wanted to be able to win on the video game. I I practiced my ass off honestly for that audition. Um, like I practiced so hard that at one point my friends were like, Janet, you're not going to get through. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you you're not going to get through. (laughs) Um, but <laughs> I'm so, like, musically uninclined that it's really hard for me to memorize the lyrics. So, like, just, I probably spent 70 to 80 hours practicing that song, and it was horrific. Uh, but just memorizing the lyrics took me that long, and getting the notes right and whatnot. Uh, way out of key, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, and they, they basically made your whole intro about you doing the American Idol game, playing it. They uh, told your backstory about how you were practicing there. And then they made you do the whole like amping yourself up in the bathroom. You said they kind of insinuated that, right? Or yep. they, they they instigated that. Uh kinda of, I brought it up. So like the two stories
1: they were gonna have of me, uh they were either gonna be like the like accountant who she sits in an office all day, but actually she's wild and crazy. That was gonna be like one story and then the other story was a video game and they were like deciding which
0: story to use. So they interviewed me on both. But yeah, I'm just sorry. What was the question? I forget. Because it shows you amping yourself up in the bathroom before you went out out on stage.
1: I went to a seminar and I actually still do this. I went to a seminar on like job interviews. And she said that like part of job interviews is that you need to be high energy. You can't be low energy. And people are low energy because they're shy. And they're nervous because they're in an interview. But being nervous in an interview comes off as not confident so in order to like just get your heart rate up just scream like yell in the car and like look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're awesome you gotta crush it you gotta do great and um i i don't do it to the extent to which i did it on tv but i definitely still do that it's you know positive self-talk is a good thing to do yeah
0: yeah um and they made it seem like a funny thing though with yours (laughs) like they're kind of making it seem like over the top
1: yeah I, I don't do it to the extent to which like they film because they brought me in because they they were like how do you get this energy and I talked about how I pump myself up for job interviews and scream in the car and tell myself I'm awesome and then like you know at some point during the day they came and got me and they brought me to the bathroom and I was like what's going on and uh, I was having my period I thought they were going to tell me that like my blood was showing and uh like, she was like, can you show us what you do in the bathroom? And I, and I was so relieved that I, like, wasn't having period issues that um, <laughs> uh, I just did it. And, like, every time I stopped, they were like, can you give us a little more? Can you give us a little more? Um, So, it, yeah, it, it was a blast.
0: And then you went on the stage and Simon told you you were terrible. Yeah.
1: Actually, I will tell you, Simon, this did not air before I – sang he was like you're gonna be a star he was like i really he was like i really like you he was like i hope to god you can sing because if you can sing you're gonna go really far in this competition but i have a feeling you can't sing (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) it it didn't air but like he was like i really like you he was pretty he was like he was legitimately disappointed that i sucked um but he he said before i actually sang he was like i'm pretty sure you can't sing but I really want you to be able to sing.
0: Yeah, and I've, um, I've heard that he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. He's just, you know, going to tell you if you can't sing, and, and that's kind of his deal, but, or his image. But he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you can tell he's a nice guy like when you see him outside of that whole thing. But that is hilarious, and then you you mistook one of the judges for Paula Abdul. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? Or was that, I think that was like a legitimate that mistake. That I did on purpose. Oh, you did it on purpose. Okay. That I did on
1: purpose. Yeah, that I did on purpose. I There was like a new judge named Kara who um, I I planned on getting her confused with Paula Abdul and calling her Paula. And she was um, like, it's, it's not
0: Paula, it, honey. I'm not Paula.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that was like something that like, I, 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 I planned on doing that. Like That was something that was like, Something that, like, if I can get that to happen, I plan on calling her the wrong name. Um, that's
0: hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and they liked it, too, apparently, because they aired it. Yeah, they aired
1: That's, I think, why I ended up the first audition of the season was because it, it was the first season that Paul Abdul wasn't there. So it addressed Paul Abdul not being there without making it a big deal. Yeah. But it, it addressed that off the bat. Um, and th- that's why they put me first. You mentioned that I'm always top 10 worst rejects etc. I'm actually not and the reason is is after the show aired I got fired from my job. Um, for that, and for, doing I, that? Yeah, oh <laughs> for doing that. Oh my god. For doing that cuz I'm an accountant. I had clients. Right. And um I freaked out because I wasn't I wasn't a stand-up comic at that point. I was just an accountant and I went on every single YouTube video that had me and I marked it as um uh, I tried to rid it off the internet. I marked it as um uh, as copyright infringement. Um, oh wow! So you have to kind of search a little bit to find me. Uh, there's only two or three videos on YouTube of me. Like if you search like American Idol rejects, like you're not gonna find me because I scorched the internet of it. <laughs> at one point, it wasn't on the internet at all, and then it popped up a little bit while. Which like was so stupid of me. If I knew I was gonna do comedy, you know, I had, I had over three four five million views and i had no understanding of how hard it is to get a million views on youtube Uh, like i just was like i don't want that on the internet and i i got kicked off the internet yeah and Um, i
0: remember seeing you on because you told me you were going to be on it and i I watched you when it aired and then I looked on, on the internet and I saw you were everywhere and yeah, people were always like leaving comments. Do you think she really thought she could sing? How could she think she could sing and like all this stuff and yeah. and then that what you were wearing, the belly shirt was like a big thing. And then yep. they asked you to come back, right? For the finale? Yeah, I did the finale. I was a backup dancer for Dane Cook on the finale. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. Uh, I I because I, I was the uh, I got the worst audition of the season award. I got the Golden Idol award that year for the worst oh audition my of God. the season. Yeah, <laughs> like the golden raspberry. <laughs> yeah, they ended up cutting it. They didn't end up giving me the trophy, but that's I I won the golden the Golden Idol the worst audition of the season.
0: But you were up there dancing with Dane Cook, and I and they had you wear uh, that same outfit. Yep, they had us wear the same outfit. Um, backup dancer for Dane Cook. You're forever like associated with the pink belly shirt off top whatever yeah. you want to call it do you still have that yeah or was it your friends somewhat
1: i i have i didn't throw it out i don't know where it is but i didn't throw you it should out You frame
0: it yeah
1: i you know what is sad i used to have the number and then i had a viewing party and i lost the number um so i i would frame it with the number but like i don't want to frame just the shirt
0: yeah um, yeah the number that they put but, on you right yeah the
1: number they put on me i had that for like a long time And then, um, I lost, I, that, that's completely lost.
0: Um, But what was it like, like once it aired, did you have people reaching out to you on social media? Like, how was that? Did you Mm. just get all these random people? It, It was, it was the most stressful 48 hours of my entire life. Oh my God.
1: Uh, I'm bipolar and it was, it was my first manic episode. It was every, like on the train, like people were like, you know, what really bothered me is people were mocking me to my face. Like, people were coming up to me and being like, you were so good. Like, you should have gone to Hollywood. And, like, they were, like, acting like I didn't know it was a joke. Like, they were just mocking me to my face. Oh, wow. And, like, on the train, like, people were, like, taking pictures of me without, like, trying to trying to make it so that, like, I didn't know they were taking pictures of me. yeah. And yeah. they were, like – and some people were, like, cool. But, like, there was a lot of, like – you felt like it was just paranoia of, like, all of a sudden everybody's, like, looking at me.
0: And – um you literally became famous overnight
1: yeah it was crazy and what's so crazy about it and i almost it's part of like how i am with comedy and that i never want to be that famous again uh it was the most it was so stressful but what's terrible about it is that two days later the guy i don't know if you remember pants on the ground uh it was another bad audition he ended up going viral, and all of a sudden, I was shit. Nobody gave a fuck about me, um, like nobody wanted to hear about it anymore. Like nobody recognized me anymore. Like I wasn't trending on Twitter anymore. Like, the like I had all these like, uh, I was overwhelmed. Star magazine called me. Like the like all these magazines were calling me. The Boston Globe. I didn't take any um, interviews because I was so like stressed out about like what was going on um and then 48 hours later i was like ah i'll do an interview and nobody wanted to interview me nobody gave a shit wow. because like the 48 hour news cycle was over and it was just like i just couldn't stop talking about i was obsessed with it and nobody else cared um, so once you got it, used to it it, it was crazy like people were
0: over it by then once you got used to like
1: yeah exactly once i was kind of, yeah that's exactly what it was it's it it was just like all of a sudden nobody cared and being famous i just remember a lot of it it was so much anxiety it was so much anxiety and so much like i don't it's hard to describe because i was also manic at the time so it's hard to like really describe what was going on um because like my mind was racing i wasn't sleeping like you know i had like all these grandiose thoughts of like what's going to happen i'm going to be a millionaire and like Nothing happened that I thought was going to happen. What happened was another viral video came, and I was no longer the most viral video in the country. And that's just how entertainment business is. Yeah, I mean they don't Um, treat
0: people like people. They treat them like just yeah, entertainment and just yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and you were trending on Twitter. That is amazing. (laughs) What was trending exactly? Yeah, was it your name or bad audition or? Uh, I think I forget. Mm -hmm. It was like trending on Twitter. This was 12
1: years ago. It wasn't as hard as it is now. Yeah. Um, things trended all the time on Twitter back then. But it was like, I want to say it was, there was like three of me. Jumping girl was trending. <laughs> I know that. Um, and then like Janet Amer- Janet at one point was trending, like hashtag Janet. I wish I had a screenshot. Because um, at one point there was like three or four trending topics and they were all me. That's amazing. It was, uh, if I had any inkling of wanting to do comedy back then that I do now like I could have ran with it but at the time I was just an accountant so I just wanted it to be done and over because my goal with American Idol I didn't think it would like become this like I thought that like it would go on the air and like I had a viewing party and I wanted like my friends to see it that's all I wanted out of it but then like I was on the commercials and stuff like that coming up to the audition and like people were coming from the woodwork from high school and middle school and being like, hey, I saw you like and it ended up just being this whole thing. Um, but, it, you know, it was if it's the best thing I've ever done in my life, like I'll look back on my life happy. Um, right, right. Like if if I never do anything better than that, like I'll be happy. But
0: You made people laugh. You entertained people for that yeah. moment.
1: It was a blast. You know what I mean? Like it was fun. Like. It's a video that I'll always. I love my favorite thing in the world now, is knowing somebody for three or four years and then being like, "Hey, watch this." Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, throw um, it on them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, especially somebody that knows me professionally as like an accountant to just be like, "Watch this," you know. Do you
0: still get recognized today, or is it long gone? No, no. I don't think I've been
1: recognized. I got recognized in a job interview about nine months after it aired and that was probably the last time i got recognized i stopped getting recognized about after two days it went significantly down and then i stopped getting recognized completely about a month later wow that quickly
0: Um, or maybe people do recognize you but they just don't tell you no people recognize
1: me from comedy more stand up Mm -hmm.
0: uh
1: but that i still don't get recognized very often uh more people know me in comedy they just don't come up to me because i'm not a famous person like they can see me whenever they want um yeah but like i i have a show a block away from my house so like people in my neighborhood know me um but it's more of like uh i know that person than like that person is famous i want to take a picture with them
0: but you must get like um people come up to you after your comedy shows they ask for pictures and autographs and stuff
1: no 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 they'll ask my instagram and they'll follow me on instagram people are people don't wow the only reason why people want pictures is that they want to put it on instagram and be like i met this famous person but you take a picture with me nobody knows who the fuck i am uh so nobody's impressed right like, but there's some the thing good thing people people like, want
0: just for them i would think no they like you as a comic nah no
1: i feel i'm pretty jaded when it comes to people um <laughs> they they want something from you they don't yeah maybe they're like i want a picture in case you become famous someday i take a picture with somebody probably about once a month and uh it's usually somebody that sees me like at a coffee shop or something and it'll be like oh my girlfriend really likes you like let me take a picture with you and i'll send it to my girlfriend um it's something like that um well
0: we're gonna circle back to you when you have your own netflix comedy special and then i bet you'll get recognized. yeah circle back and then more
1: people will recognize me (laughs) so
0: yeah we talked about american idol and that's what led into your comedy career now yes that's what led into it you just signed up for comedy shows and now is it more you signing up for them now or them reaching out to you on a regular basis
1: people reach out to me so it's like i started and you do a bunch of open mics where it's like you just sign up and it's like really awful and it it's a lot of work coming in and not a lot of feedback. It's not fun. And then you slowly start getting regular shows and then you start getting better and better shows. Uh, and now I'm to the point where I'm not I'm not getting the biggest shows in the world, but I'm working every day. And I get asked 99% of the time um, to do shows. So um, it's really great there. I have my own weekly show at The Burn in Somerville that I host. Uh, which is great, and then Thursday through Saturday, um, I do other shows around, um, usually Boston, sometimes New Hampshire and Maine.
0: Have you ever done like out of the state shows like besides the New England area? I've done a bunch in Australia. Wow. Uh,
1: I just got back from the Asheville Comedy Festival festival in North Carolina a couple weeks ago. I do New York City a little bit. But uh, I honestly, I don't travel very much, but I've done a bunch of like regional comedy festivals. I've done Rhode Island Comedy Festival, Hampton Beach Comedy Festival, Women in Comedy Festival, uh, a bunch of other in the area. But yeah, I, I get around. The biggest obstacle for me is time in that I don't have a lot of time to travel and go to more places to do more shows. So I do a lot in the New England
0: area and you got back in accounting eventually and now you do that as well yeah okay
1: yeah I never quit accounting I like accounting um it's something that like it's a mundane thing that you do during the day and people think it's boring I think it's interesting and uh so I do accounting nine to five and then I they don't know I do comedy I just and then I do comedy at night it's like having two jobs um but one job is cool yeah. And that's accounting.
0: And that's what a lot of comedians do, especially out here in LA, they the, the comedy store yeah. and all that. it's always the same people every week and they they do exactly what you do. Have day jobs and then do it at night. Um mm-hmm. your your shtick is like you're that awkward comic, right? That's that's kind of how you present yourself?
1: Yeah, it's, I'm kind of like yeah, I'm a little awkward. I I am how I am in real life. You are. and I told oh, my friend that too. I, I showed yeah. my
0: friend one of your comedy videos and I said You know, you might think she's putting on an act, but that's exactly how she is. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm very
1: authentic. I'm very much exactly. Yeah, I'm very much exactly how I am. Like, I don't know what to do with my right hand. I get a little angry. Um, I get very opinionated. And most of my opinions are really dumb. And then I I back them up with facts. uh, And eventually I get the audience to agree with me that sex is stupid. (laughs) Um, That's one of my premises is um and it's it it it's it's fun you it, you you can with comedy you can like if you say something right you can get an entire you know you can get 200 people on your side uh and they're just anything you say they're going to go with because like you just you have them in your pocket it's so fun
0: right do you have like a memorable moment you've ever had on stage like a most memorable no. i guess no. I don't know. Last week I called somebody a whore and I got away with it. Oh uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> why would you call him a whore? Because
1: I have I have a joke that goes I'm an accountant. That's why I'm just like a whore. And um, she, I, I was like doing my act and she kept she kept interrupting me and like she was trying to be part of the show. And I was like what are you fucking like Gosh. tell me like what, what's your goddamn deal? Like are you an accountant? Like why like why do you have so many opinions? Because about- I have a bunch of material about accounting and she was like i'm in finance i was like oh it makes sense you're a fucking whore and uh uh, she's a heckler (laughs) basically yeah she was kind of a heckler um but it's just fun to just like be able to call somebody a whore and get the entire audience to be behind you you know because it's such a rude thing to say to somebody yeah and you but only on a comedy stage (laughs) yeah no normally you could and if i honestly if i wasn't doing well i wouldn't be able to get away with that. You know, right? But because the audience liked me, it takes a lot to um, lose the goodwill. Once you had the goodwill of, a, of an audience, you could get away with a lot,
0: right? Do you have a favorite comedian? Uh, Gary Goleman is my favorite comedian.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, I like Tig Notaro a lot. I like Murray Bamford a lot, but Gary Goldman's my favorite.
0: What's next for your comedy career? Do you just gonna continue doing these shows? Do you have any goals? Do you want to do a, like a special someday if you were offered it? Yeah, I would love to do a special. Um I want to tour Australia. My brother lives in Australia.
1: Uh I want to spend 5 years touring Australia. That's kind of like my goal. Um and part of doing that is I need to be successful in the US so that I can get a visa to go to Australia. So, yeah, it would be great to get a special. Uh probably not next year but the year after. I'm probably going to record an hour special um and put it on YouTube and uh yeah i have I have a bunch of stuff going on i try not to get too ahead of myself i like I said like I don't want what happened with American Idol to happen with comedy where it just becomes not fun and there's too much going on so right now I'm just having fun with it and uh it's great passive income I, you know maybe I'll move to l a or New York at some point, but right now you know life is kind of gravy. I'm just getting better at comedy and you know, eventually, hopefully, make a move.
0: Do you have advice for anybody that may want to have a comedy career or somebody that struggled like you and was shy and feeling kind of awkward? Like, what advice would you give, like, some younger person out there who's thinking of possibly doing a career in comedy or some other entertainment, but they're a little hesitant and scared? Well, the key to comedy is to just keep doing
1: it, to keep doing it and to keep going out. Like, I was god awful for years and years and years. And uh i just kept doing it and eventually things clicked and i ended up being good that that's a lot of it is um keeping track of your mental health uh not drinking too much and uh just keeping at it is all you really have to do in comedy is just keep at it and keep working there's people who never get funny don't get me wrong but um a lot of it is just so many funny people stop trying and they just never go anywhere and they just stay stagnant and you have to do it 3 to 5 times a week or there's no point right uh is that's my advice you have to
0: be committed
1: you have to be committed it has to yeah you have to basically not have a life outside of it
0: <sighs> like how do you do you ever get nervous like how do you get over your nerves
1: um i'm going to be nervous this weekend i'm headlining a big show this weekend and i'm going to be nervous cuz my family's going to be there uh i don't like talking about sex in front of my family <laughs> right. um so i'm hoping i don't know how much time i'm doing i'm either i'm i think i'm doing like 40 minutes i'm hoping that like something happens and they have to cut my time so that i don't have to talk about i'm i'm never i get nervous when my family's going to be there uh is basically the answer uh but i don't get nervous on a daily basis i've done it i've probably done 5000 shows at this point so like it's you get really used to it
0: you just kind of put yourself out there and forget about the nerves if you can you yeah you think about um, anything that helps you
1: uh like when i started like my hands used to shake um i used to it used to be i used to really get nervous when i started um and a lot of that was like the positive self positive self-talk is huge as far as like even if you think you're lying to yourself to tell yourself you're gonna do great and you're gonna be awesome and like everything's gonna work out, like it works 90% of the time because it gets your confidence and your energy up as, as far as like getting up there goes. Uh, like fake it. Till and you the make thing it with comedy is that with the exception of um, so, like Dave Chappelle, everybody stunk when they started. Dave Chappelle is like the only comic that was good when he started, everybody else stinks. <laughs> yeah. um, look at any comic that's a year in and they stink it's a skill it's not it's not as much of a talent as it is a skill
0: interesting tell me about your shows coming up end of september what shows do you have coming up that if people are in the boston area they can check you out end of september i am
1: doing i am headlining the george in providence on september 23rd uh and i'm headlining the article before in brighton on september 29th those are the two big shows that
0: i have coming up nice and they can just go on the websites of those places to get the tickets sure yeah (laughs) yeah they can google it okay uh yeah yeah i'm I'm sure i'm sure it's on the google machine so you have social media do you have i know you have a youtube page where you post your comedy videos a lot of the time yeah so my yeah what's your youtube my instagram my instagram
1: is janet.mcnamara um my youtube doesn't have a url you just have to google it um i only have like 12 subscribers so they won't give me a url till i get 100 oh my god you need more (laughs) i know yeah subscribe to my youtube so i get more and then i have a really shitty website uh
0: (laughs) janetmcnamara.com it's not even done Uh, right Yeah. And that, but, I feel like and, that describes I, you perfectly though. You just put what you need on there and the rest you don't care. You're like leave yeah. it alone. <laughs> it's like yep. Yeah, it's it's the world's
1: worst website, but uh yeah, go on and then offer to do it for free and I'll let you do my website for free. <laughs> yeah, you and, just uh, have yeah. you
0: have your name, your your dates coming up for your shows and you have the American Idol video. <laughs> That's yeah. it. What else do you need? Oh, your contact Uh, yeah yeah so they search janet mcnamara on youtube and then your page will come up and all this will be in the description for this episode the links and everything so you can easily get to it um all right so thank you so much janet for being here but i have one last question i ask everybody it's a simple question but it's also kind of difficult and it was inspired by a social anxiety disorder I had as a kid where I was very anxious to talk in front of certain people and, and certain social situations, which sounds like you had something similar. But um, I realized the importance of using a voice, using your voice. So this is the question I like to end every episode with. And it is, if you could only say one more sentence or phrase out loud one more time for the rest of your life, what would it be? Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that. <laughs> Amazing. Probably one of the best answers. All right, Janet. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. It was uh, awesome to catch up with you. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, and go check her out. She's hilarious. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're actually on your way to the show right now. So we got to wrap it up. But yeah, thank you. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. As always, I'm going to end the episode with a relative inspirational quote. And this one's from author Adrian Posey Comedians are people who embarrass themselves in style.